Hello, all you lovely people in internet land, and that will really piss off Rob. I mean, he will be really angry that I stole his intro. Why isn't Rob here? Well, I think he's dead. Or sick, but I think dead. He's dead? I think he's dead. I heard he's dead. Yeah, see? See? America has heard the news. He's dead. It's all over the world now. Rob is gone. Uh, So I have got a very special guest. Now, you are probably familiar with him. And if you're not, well, then you've got issues. You've got a lot of issues because I am joined by the host of Game Life Balance US, Cody Goff. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. The host, the primary host, the main host, the only (laughs) host that really matters from Game Life Balance US. See, I've, I've talked to your counterpart and I'm not sure whether he agrees with that or not. He is yeah. so delusional. <laughs> he said that you might have a bit of an ego problem, in fact. I think he, he spelt that out pretty clearly on this special episode that we did. Well, but listen, this episode is all about me, not all about him. Well, it's actually all about you because it's your podcast, technically. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's all about the untimely death of Rob. Ah, oh, <laughs> we knew him well. I, unfortunately, knew him a bit too well. That's why he's dead. Actually, Rob is... Uh, sick at the moment he has an ulcer on his esophagus so basically he's got a big pimply you know pussy thing on the inside of his throat which makes it hard for him to talk and breathe so rob's a goner so i thought you know before the funeral let's just make sure he knows that game life balance is in good hands I'm fine with we, that. I don't know how good the hands are. I mean, your hands seem fine. Mine, I make no promises. Oh, mine are very strong, Cody. Mine are very strong and sensual. Just wait till you touch them. I'm or they touch you. Weirdly turned on by that, but also a little afraid. <laughs> oh, it's good to have someone who gets the sense of humor straight away. Because I do that to Rob. We record in the same place at the same time, in the same room, right next to each other. And I just weirdly touch and caress Rob halfway through. And he freaks out. And uh, that's how a podcast is born, apparently. I I would probably not like it physically, but conceptually, I'm attracted and open to the idea. <laughs> yeah, every, every, everyone is, is for my love until they experience it firsthand. Yeah, so that's really a thing that happens. Yeah, that kind of changes the context a bit. But, uh, you know, <laughs> we're five or 8,000 miles, 10,000. How many? We're lots far away. You have a world map behind you. It is. Like, it, I can see it. It is literally. Like, where is Australia? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's up near Arctic Circle or something like No. My world map is yeah, there we go. <laughs> six feet by seven feet, or in Australian terms, uh, I guess, about two meters by a little over two meters is that how that works sounds about right i don't know i, don't I think know. six feet is about 180 centimeters ish or something like that you lost but me at centimeters yeah, I actually yeah yeah it, it's you know when you divide things by 110 it's very hard for americans i understand that which is why all americans have 12 fingers that's what i read in a book but we can count how many bullets lie. go into a gun let me tell you something <laughs> I always wondered why you guys have six shooters instead of five shooters. There's your answer. Americans have six fingers on each hand. We're actually moving to the base six system just because of <laughs> how many bullets can go into guns. It's always a multiple of six. You get 120 rounds in, in, your, in, in certain automatic weapons in the Call of Duty games. It's, uh, it's worked out pretty well for us so far. So you are 
two AK-47s and uh, a hand pistol tall than are you or something. Exactly, actually. Yeah, yeah. And a DD-44 Dostov on a good day. But... <laughs> you lost me. I thought I heard the word Dostbox there, but pff, that could mean anything. No, Dostov. I know nothing about guns. And, and actually, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, since... Uh, he talks about me me getting your 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 sense of humor and your sensibilities. I did watch the episode of Game Life Gaiden where you were dressed up and John was not. And if anybody's watching this on YouTube, they'll see I'm just wearing a plain white t-shirt and you're again dressed up, which I think is great. But knowing that bow tie, bow this are cool. might occur, I <laughs> came prepared and will... Uh, presently, uh, hopefully as you were talking, because I can't apparently talk and change at the same time, I will dress Man up. You can't do two things at once. No, you can't. I cannot, for sure. Um, but here we are. We'll, be, we'll both be very dapper very shortly, so people should probably well, check this out on the YouTube channel. I get the feeling that you're trying to do one up on John here. You're just trying to get one up on Uncle Stabo. Because I did tell him it was a formal event. I said, no, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be wearing this little bow tie doohickey and other stuff like that. And he just went, yeah, whatever. So it doesn't, doesn't care about the YouTube community. I, that's what I hear. No, I'm actually trying to fulfill uh, Rob's prediction that this that if we if you and I ever collaborated on an episode, it would just be a, essentially tro- like just trolling the entire time. It would spiral into this bottomless pit of trolling and so i i thought well instead of giving ac a chance to to troll me if i'm underdressed i'll just <laughs> i'll just play his game See, the magic of podcasting is that beef just before we started cody said oh hang on let me, i just need to go get one thing from the other room so no no I actually no, no. That's <laughs> i actually grabbed orange juice because i i wanted to make sure my blood sugar didn't go low for the podcast the dress oh, shirt was enough. already on the bed and we're mm-hmm. the, the bow tie is somewhere on this really messy <laughs> desk and now i can't find it oh it's under some rubber bands don't ask me why those are there don't ask my girlfriend why those are there it's all very um american <laughs> is that your, is that going to be your excuse every time I don't understand something? Like, oh no, it's very American. Mm-hmm. We use rubber bands. I mean, you know, I live in Australia. We've had thirty years of electricity. I'll have you know. Whoa, you I've at least read about rubber bands. <laughs> I, I love telling people that because it was this like this subtle joke in The Simpsons that was like on a on an Australian stamp that says now thirty years of electricity or something. But like with a with a kangaroo and an emu and like a light bulb between them, the and Simpsons. I, I just always love that because yeah, that's, that Australian episode of The Simpsons was magnificent. I thought. Well, I mean, my girlfriend has lived in Latin American countries, several different ones, and she said that The Simpsons is actually huge down there. It, it's like the most global show that there is, apparently, because it's completely oh, yeah. universal. That Homer Simpson is every man, I guess. Yeah. Every dumb man, but yeah, I, he's got that quality about him that makes him so watchable and at times relatable. You know, he he doesn't like going to church, but he still goes to church, and you know, you know, he just wants to sit back and have a beer, but his family keeps nagging him to do stuff. We can all relate to that because we're all lazy bums at heart. Absolutely true. Oh, nice, very, very nice. Thank I feel you. like I should order a drink from you or something. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I, should, I should grab my sport coat from behind me, I feel. But no, this will do. I don't, I don't have any... Do I have cufflinks? <laughs> I bet I have cufflinks. I'm not going to put on cufflinks. It's, uh, I do have cufflinks, but I didn't, I didn't wear them. I wore them last time, but you couldn't see them because 
I, you know, I don't really need to put my hands up and I thought this is mainly going to be an audio format. I just like, I just thought I'd wear something just to freak people on the other end of the camera out because it's, it's a fun thing to do. You know, I don't dress up for work. May as well dress up for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm supposed to dress up for work. I just have no sense of fashion. So I just wear polos and old jeans on jeans Wednesdays. Those are exciting. Jeans Wednesdays. Yeah. Well, I think my work's probably lucky if I turn up in pants. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. But I would I would wear pants just as armor to protect myself from all of the horrible beasts in Australia that just, I don't know. I, I, I always wanted to visit. And then after I did a podcast with Rob, I thought to myself, it is a death trap. Everything will try to kill you. And I may die if I go. It's such a... It, it is a bit of a fallacy. Like, there are things in Australia that will try and kill you. Uh, Rob is probably one of those things. <laughs> but it's like, you don't walk outside and go, whoops, tripped over that crocodile. Oh, almost fell into the mouth of a snake. Oh, silly me. I have seen snakes in the wild. I have seen deadly snakes. But, you know, they, it's not like they come up to you and try and sell you insurance or anything like that. They see you and they usually bugger off unless you, like, you... You run over to them and go, rah, 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 and then they might go, oh, I think I might need to do something and attack this giant man monkey thing, whatever it is. Oh, but see, that's how I greet people. <laughs> so that's that's the the, the traditional uh, Illinois greeting. Is it just running? Like, it's it's more of a Chicago greeting, uh, just, mm-hmm. just mostly to scare off the homeless people so you don't have to give them money. Um, it's very strange. It's a very uh, uncivilized city really it's kind of like the wild west but different uh, all everything i know about chicago i know from gangster films set in the 30s during prohibition and a television show called early edition about a guy who gets tomorrow's newspaper today that was uh, popular in the 90s i do believe interesting yeah. the only thing i know about australia is from rescuers down under <laughs> oh god in, in which the I believe Disney, in which the mice save a boy named, get this, Cody. Really? I think yeah. Cody to me is like the quintessential American name. Like if you, right, like your your last name's probably Dakota or something like that. Cody Dakota. That sounds like a really bad <laughs> ripoff of Indiana Jones. It's it's actually Wayne Cody John Wayne Cody John Wayne uh, Cody John Wayne Jefferson. Thomas Abraham Lincoln Washington Goff and the is thing my is full that, name. That your last name Goff actually has quite a few political connotations in Australia because one of our most famous prime ministers, uh, the only prime minister ever to be ousted by a, um, a governor general in Australia was Goff Whitlam, but it was his first name or middle name. I think he used his middle name as his first name. So Goff is kind of very Australian in a lot of ways. Like we hear that and we go, oh, yes, that famous prime minister. That's our first thought. Yeah, but infamous. But at the same time, at least in Australia, you would know how to pronounce my name. Yeah. Because in America, everyone says go, gow, goo. (laughs) It's like it rhymes. Not only does it rhyme with cough, it's only one letter off. (laughs) C and G are two of the most similar letters physically in the alphabet. So it's, I mean, you literally, if you, if you write it with sloppy handwriting, it, it says cough. I don't know. It's whatever. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm glad I, that you guys get it. I don't, I, it never would have occurred to me, but I do like Cody Gow. 
I'm doing good. <laughs> I think I'm going to call you Cody Gal from now on. Of Gal course, Gal. of course you are. Why? I see. This is the kind of thing I should have said when I this recorded. This is the trap that you fell into. <laughs> yes. Touche. Oh, see, once again, very, very Chicago. You've got a Cubs mug. I did that on purpose because I wanted to give your Australian audience a little taste of Chicago, if you will. Oh, yeah, we, we, we know all about losing here in, in Australia. Because if there's one thing we know about the Cubs, <laughs> it's that they're f- effing shit. So I got this for free yep. off the free stuff table mm-hmm. at a radio station I worked at. Yep. Uh, I'm not actually – I don't actually like sports except for the Olympics, mm-hmm. especially beach volleyball and gymnastics because I'm a boy. <laughs> and uh, what's the other sport that I like? Women's Quidditch. tennis. Quidditch, yep. Quidditch is a great Olympic sport. Well, it's not Olympic sport. Let's let's be realistic. But it is a real thing. And I think it deserves respect. See, the Australian version of Quidditch would just be a bunch of people coming out with brooms and bashing them over the heads of other people who don't play Quidditch. <laughs> they would just go out into the general public and just start beating the crap out of people with brooms. And occasionally throwing gold balls at people's heads. Or stuffing them down the front of their trousers and making snitch jokes. This... This podcast is going exactly as Rob predicted. <laughs> yeah, and but Rob's not around, so we can do whatever we want. Although, I, I gotta say, though, I would never, ever wish a sore throat on somebody. Like, it sounds like what you said is wrong with him is the worst thing you can have. And I, I do feel actually really bad for him because, like, when I am sick with a sore throat, I want to die. Mm. It is the absolute worst kind of illness. So I, I do hope he gets better soon. Uh, I'm sure he will. He, he's not at death's door or anything like that. He started his course of medication and he's already getting better. But uh, we do wish Rob the best of speed to get well, blah, 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 lip service. <laughs> But this is Game Life Balance Australia, and we will be more or less keeping to our regular format, or at least I will be trying. So Rob usually hosts. I thought I will better better host, I suppose. It was kind of tempting to get you to host, but that would probably be a... a, a, I keep trying to swear, because it's so easy to swear. This is why Rob is the host, because he... Actually, he swears a lot as well, but... At least he uh, he has to edit, and then he has to edit out all the swears. So it'll basically be an (laughs) S-show. And then I almost posted on Clamor a clip of of you in the last podcast swearing and then saying, "Oh, gotta mark that." And then Rob saying, "Yeah, I think that's around fifty-one or something." I'll edit that out. <laughs> totally not edited in any he way. I think he lied to you. He doesn't even edit the swear words out. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think I just think he's full. He doesn't edit do what whatsoever. No, I I should take that back because as the only one that actually does edit my podcast, it's so infuriating. When like when John's on our podcast and we're in the middle of a show and he says something like, Yeah, well it's not like you edit or do anything <laughs> and like every week I do six hours of post production and posting. So I, I actually hate that. So Rob, I take that back. I'm sure you do edit, but that was totally missed. Which was funny to me. I don't care. Yeah, I mean the only reason like we used to swear in the original run of Game Life Balance, uh, but you know, we had the explicit warning on iTunes and we thought, No, 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 you know, if we're if we're gonna be hitching our wagon to the american guys you know we've you know we're going to become this international sensation which we totally are <laughs> we should probably stop swearing so we can get on the normal itunes not the explicit itunes 
and that lasted about a week. But we try, Cody, we try so hard not to swear. But we're just not good at not swearing. I'm really over it. Everything is more extreme with no E in Australia. <laughs> with no, you, like with at least three X's at the front as well. Oh, at least. But not exactly three because that's a different connotation. Oh, I'm not wearing pants. I mean, you know, you see the bow tie up here. Vest down below all party. I too am not wearing pants. Intercontinental high five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mental note. Edit in... Uh, clapping sound there I won't edit that in actually That'll just sound funny the way it is Intercontinental high five though We should probably patent that I think there's actually a way To play A sound effect On Google Over Google Of of clapping John used to know how to do it And he used to just do it At random points in our podcast <laughs> Oh here we go I don't know if you can hear that. I can hear that. Oh boy, this is so. So you're in charge of the, you're you're basically panel operate, operating now, are you? I don't. I I really don't think that that's a kind of thing that you want incorporated in this podcast. <laughs> Believe me, oh. I would know. You're so fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. This this is this has taken a very dark turn when we turn into um, a wacky morning breakfast zoo. So it says sad trombone on Google Hangouts, but that is definitely a mariachi jingle. Like it? No, that is not a trombone. It, I used to play trombone. I was once a trombone. Really? I used to play saxophone. We should start a band. Yeah, we should. I mean, I was terrible at the at the trombone but you know i'm sure i'm sure our band will sound magnificent if uh if i at least uh you know swap my trombone for a mariachi jingle or something <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm seriously considering muting you <laughs> and just doing an impression <laughs> of you which will actually more sound like ronald reagan oh for the rest of the time because that had worked just it's, as well. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, okay. well, don't worry. I'll, I'll wake up and stop being so uh, abrasive. Thank you, sweetie. Uh, because now I have a Mountain Dew um, that was hand-delivered to be my, my beautiful uh, roommate. And um, now, now we can really wake up and do a real podcast. Okay. All right. So we're getting serious right from, right from this point. Nothing, nothing we've yeah. said so far matters. It doesn't count at all. Okay. Right. So, no, I'm not going to start again. But we do actually have a featured <laughs> game. As I said, we will try and stick to the format. Rani, rani, rani. And our featured game is going to be a Dungeons and Dragons game. Yes, that's right. Good old AC actually sat down and played a Dungeons and Dragons game. Complete with... Actually, I'm not even sure whether this game has dungeons in it. It's got a tower in it. We... Um... Yeah, actually, a dungeon... I don't... Does it have dragons? It must it... have a dragons. And there is a dragon. Oh, it has dragons. It has a dragon, yeah. So dragons and more dragons. Uh, dungeons and dragons. Tower of Doom. One of the things that I love about the Brian Noonan show is that on Twitter, you actually are an authorized... You know, like a, a Twitter user with a little blue tick next to your name. I was going to say authorized, but that's not the right word. 
authentic verified. Twitter verified. That is the word I'm looking for. But Brian Noonan isn't, and it's his show. And it's like, I'm part of the Brian Noonan show. I'm verified. And Brian Noonan's like going, mm, I don't know. I'm, I don't, I'm not verified. Are you like slowly taking over his show? <laughs> it, I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny on this episode of Game Life Balance Australia. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sure Brian... I'm sure Brian doesn't listen to your show or our show. Actually, does he? He does, does he listen? Does he, listen? he doesn't. He does not listen to my show. He doesn't listen to your show. He doesn't listen to his show. He's, he just does <laughs> that, shows and then he leaves. That is the mark of a true AM radio warrior. <laughs> Someone who goes in, does their two hours of work, reads off a whiteboard and goes, bada boom, bada bing, I'm done. Walks out yeah, again. I mean, he listened. He listens to other shows on the station, but <laughs> only because he's on the station. But he's not gonna. He's not gonna listen to his show or a web exclusive podcast. He doesn't. He doesn't need that. He's a seasoned radio veteran. <laughs> do you listen I hope to radio, other radio shows on your on your radio station? It, dude. I honestly, before last year, I didn't listen to podcasts. I and how had, long was we your podcast unqualif- going for? We did Unqualified Gamers for four years, and I don't think I listened <laughs> to any other podcasts until... I mean, I listened to a couple here or there, like maybe once every six months to nine months, and then only this year did I get into them. And yours is the first one that I started actually listening to, like, really, really consistently, and I... I there was one day and I found some Reddit thread that's like the best podcast in the world. Oh, no, no. You know what? Serial got me into it. Serial was the first podcast. Okay, that's a story podcast, story-based podcast. Did you not? Uh, so that so probably wasn't a big phenomenon in Australia. It was. It's it's an NPR podcast. Net, do you know NPR? America's NPR? Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay, so National Public Radio. It's like our public access station. Hmm. But they, they did a series called Serial and it was a it was just an eight or 12 episode series and they followed a, I know we're supposed to be talking about video games now, yeah, but I'm this quickly. Um, they follow, they basically examine the case of this guy that was in, put in prison for life for killing his girlfriend, but they examine this evidence and they go, well, they, they really didn't actually have enough evidence to convict him or did they? And they interview, you know, all the, okay. Yeah. They interview all the key witnesses and the guy and you get to know him and, but but everybody was talking about it. It's Mm. like the most downloaded podcast ever. So that got me It was kind of like a precursor to how to, how to murder or something like that. Or some, there's some new show that making a murder, making a murder. Yeah. Yeah. It was like before Mm -hmm. that, there was this show that kind of was examining some of the the flaws in in the legal system and, and, um, prosecution system and stuff like that. I'd heard of that, but, uh, it was one of those things that I listened to podcasts basically to distract myself from everyday life, not, not to get involved in murder (laughs) cases. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I listen to a podcast, I, I just like to listen to things, in, you know, in a very light kind of manner uh, while I'm doing other things like driving or crashing my car into a lamppost or, you know, accidentally running through the gates of a mental asylum, whatever. But something that mm. can distract me from what I'm doing at that particular moment in time. So, That's probably safe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. I'm a, I'm a very good driver. You know, I, I have a, a, an SUV now, a sports utility vehicle. I'm, I'm an oh, excellent so- driver. Yeah, you don't you don't have to even yield the right of way ever. No, I just take my hands off the wheel and go. Whatever happens, happens. Right, your I life mean, is in my hands. 
Right, unless there's a bus nearby, you win. You <laughs> win every it is a competition. fight. Driving is oh, the yes. biggest competition. Oh, yes. So I actually did that thing, since I'm a new parent, uh, I actually did that thing of having to buy a bigger car because I was driving a dinky little Toyota Corolla, which is about 16 years old. And mm. the baby seat, like the capsule you use to have your baby in the car, does not fit in the old car. So we actually had to buy a new one. And I actually got the SUV uh, off my dad, who lives in kind of like a remote, uh, rural kind of region up in the mountains. It's a nice place. It's not It's not the outback or anything. It's just in the mountains. Wait, you have mountains in Australia? Oh, uh, one or two, yeah. Dad lives in one of them. <laughs> I'm looking at Australia on my world map, and it is a giant desert <laughs> with like a little touch of green around Victoria, between Victoria and like T- Tamamuth. <laughs> That's not, that can't be a real name. You're probably thinking Tamworth. Wagga Wagga. Tamworth, Tamworth. Oh, no, I was thinking Brisbane. No, I, I was looking Brisbane. in the middle. No, there's Brisbane to Victoria to Adelaide is all green, and then everything else except for Perth is desert. So in that, in that just before Brisbane, that would be kind of near the, the northern part of New South Wales. That big green mountainous bit is called the Great Dividing Range. Oh, I see that. That's labeled on my giant world map. Mm. Because there's, so, there's so much nothing in Australia that they can they can mark insignificant little details like that. Well, the Great Victoria Desert seems pretty great. Yeah, it's a desert. I mean, most as you said, most mm. of Australia is a desert, so it's not it's mm. not that interesting. It's only interesting around the outskirts. The outside of Australia mm. is fine. So yes, podcasting and video game podcasting, <laughs> and that is that thing right. is that we're meant to be doing. So we are actually talking about a Capcom game. Dungeons and Dragons Tower of Doom. So Tower of Doom is the first of two games created under the Dungeons and Dragons copyright by Capcom. Who knows how they got their hands on this copyright? They may have just thought, oh my god, dungeons, they're cool. Dragons, they're also cool. Someone nail that down. And they created a beat-em-up. So the game itself was first published in the arcades in 1993. And it's, uh, I don't know, it is a beat-em-up game, but it has RPG elements within it as well. It's probably my favorite Dungeons & Dragons game, because out of all the Dungeons & Dragons games that I've played, this one actually plays like a video game. You go in and you beat the snot out of orcs and owlbears and stuff. There is actually an enemy in there called an owlbear. So, Cody, are you familiar with the Dungeons & Dragons franchise? No, I have a level 14 paladin, mm-hmm. and I used to be a dungeon master. So, yes, I am very familiar. I've seen the movie as well. There's a movie? Oh, my God. <laughs> you didn't see the Dungeons & Dragons movie? It sounds terrible. Just You lucky bastard. <laughs> it sounds really bad. I it, just, just for me saying that there was a movie, you automatically made it think it, it was, was bad? I, I mean, like, if you're listening to this as a podcast, you're not going to see the video, but the look on your face sort of said that maybe this movie wasn't oh, of okay. the highest caliber of cinematics oh, ever God. created. Oh, God, it was so bad. It was such a bad... It was a terrible use of a license. It was extremely poorly received. They set it up for a sequel at the end very blatantly, and it... And it basically killed the Dungeons and Dragons brand for any mainstream audience for, I don't know, it's been almost, it's been at least 10 years, maybe 15, maybe more. So yeah, oh it's So when did Don't it come out? It. Like, 
did did because every everything in my in my brain, according to what I know about Dungeons and Dragons, there is just like it says Dungeons and Dragons in fancy writing up at the top, and there is a picture of a big big red dragon. Yeah, pretty much. It came out in two thousand, so I was right. It was it's sixteen years old. And it had uh, Jeremy Irons, who I don't know anything about him, but Marlon Wayans was the best friend of the and the the villain was played by a guy I never heard of. I think Robert Miano, but he was really good. But yeah, it was bad. It was. Was really it about? Bad. Because I actually remember very very vaguely that there was a cartoon of Dungeons and Dragons. Back in the 80s, like it was a Saturday morning cartoon about four kids or three or four kids who went on a theme park ride that was Dungeons and Dragons theme and then they end up in Dungeons and Dragons world. And there was a fighter and like one was a a, um, uh, a wizard and then one of them was a cleric or cleric or I don't know, paladin, I don't know, something like that. Huh. And it was not... The worst Saturday morning cartoon, but, you know, that's if you compare it to something like The Snorks, which was also popular in the 80s, which was less like the, Snur- the Smurfs, except underwater. Well, what's your relationship with the Dungeons & Dragons brand? See, I'm not a big... I'm not a big fantasy guy. I'm more of a sci-fi guy. I hate magic. And <laughs> I really like hate cards magic. or just magic... Like, oh no! I hate Magic: The Gathering. I hate magic, magic tricks. I hate David Copperfield. These big puffy pants. Wow. <laughs> no, I just uh, I'm I'm not really into the fantasy world, the fantasy genre, I suppose you could say. And when we were young, Rob tried to get me into this by getting me to play Dungeons and Dragons. It was a whole bunch of writing stuff down and creating characters and. Uh, you know, and then rolling dice, and I got bored, killed my character on purpose, and then went to go play Batman Returns on his master system in the other room. Literally none of that surprises me about you. <laughs> that all sounds like something you would absolutely do. I I just couldn't, couldn't get into it. I have an admiration and respect for Dungeons & Dragons, and I love how people get so into the rules and so into the mythology that you know they know everything about how it works and how the statistics work and you know how to create a good character or bad character and how to be a proper dungeon master but there was like this little board game called hero quest which had little miniatures it was like basically like a gateway drug into dungeons and dragons there's like yeah, a read easy version and even in that game i always played as the barbarian because i didn't want to mess around with magic i just wanted to fight stuff so all of that stuff before about you being a paladin and DM, was that true or was that just saying words that sound vaguely D&D-like to me? No, that was, that was totally true. I was used, totally true? Yeah, there was a, a campaign called Living Arcanus, and it was, it was by Paradigm Concepts, I believe. So it was its own publisher would publish this, this entire world, and it, had, uh, it was very political D&D. So there were houses and there were nobles, and... The quest kind of centered around this entire um, hierarchy of 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 cl- like a class system, um, basically. And I I played it in college, 
my character Duncan Fox is like a level 14 paladin, levels four fighter, level two knight or something like multi-class. And I haven't played it in forever. And then after college, I DM'd and we would play over Skype. And actually, Uncle Stabo, my co-host, used to play Living Arcanus with us. So, um, yeah, nice. I'm pretty familiar. So I haven't played you're... it in a while. So I remember, I remember the big books that people, because I was friends, in case you couldn't tell, with the kind of people who would play Dungeons and Dragons, and they they wouldn't they wouldn't be talking about no Dungeons and Dragons. They were always talking about Dungeons and Dragons Advanced, and Rob was really big into Dungeons and Dragons Advanced. He had the posters. He had the big red dragon up, which always reminded me of Clifford the Big Red Dog, because hmm. you know both red, both big. And I, that's where the comparison ends. But, you know, it just reminded me of Clifford for whatever reason. And it was just one of those things that Rob fell out of it when he became a cool, hip teenager. You know, he started wearing baggy pants and his hat backwards. And, and then he kind of got back into it when, you know, a bit later on. But by that time, all of his friends were out of it as well. So I think it's one of those things that he really wishes that he could do more of that in his life. But instead, he's stuck with me talking about video games all the time if he has a spare minute. So one of the great things about this game is that you don't need to know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. It's a Capcom game. It's a beat 'em up, and you can choose between four characters: an elf, uh, a warrior, I do believe. What are the other ones, Cody? A uh, other character, a cleric, yep, and cleric. a fighter, dwarf, dwarf. Did you say dwarf? It or is fighter? a dwarf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a so there is a fighter, elf, cleric, and dwarf. I get warrior and fighter mixed up, you know. Ooh, yeah, because I'm sure there's a big difference there. I always play as the fighter just because he's you know he's quite upgradable. But as you go around, you meet certain D and D. You know, you may see dragons, you see owl bears, and you do actually fight owl bears. Are owl bears a real thing? Is that a real thing in in D and D lore? An owl? I didn't even know what that is. Well, so, I don't. So I. I didn't really play when I played D&D it wasn't like classic D&D with all the classic characters it again it was this kind of political very political focused campaign and and it did use a lot of the lore but it almost created its own lore within the D&D universe so I don't think I encountered all of the classic tropes Mm. so I don't know okay we'll just say it's real because they had you know they had um access to the license so why wouldn't they try and incorporate all of that stuff i guess but basically one of the great things about this game is that you can have up to four plays in the arcade it was an original arcade release so it was like one of those big machines that was similar to the simpsons or to the um the ninja turtles game where you could have four players and it was just the graphics were really good the the characters were all uh, distinct enough that you knew what was going on at the screen. And the game was fast-paced enough that uh, you could just keep going from enemy to enemy to enemy and you'd have a bit of fun. So one of the, one of the, the slight elements of RPG is that your level, your character does level up a bit. They will get uh, better swords, they will get more hit points, they will get magic and stuff like that. And that will differ uh, depending on the um, uh, on which character you choose as well. And I always choose the fighter, so I can't really speak for any of the other characters. Do you have a favorite character you like to play? The elf. Oh my god, the elf. The elf? Why the elf? Because she's hot. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can't. I can't fault that. That is some true D and D talk right there. Cause she's hot. Literally, any time I play a beat 'em up game ever, honestly, I will play as the hottest female character. Or any video game. My character in Final Fantasy fourteen is a female. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I I am actually with you. I usually do the the same thing, but for me, it's not usually like, especially in fighting games, I'll choose the female character. It's not always out of hotness, although sometimes that might play a part. It's usually because they're quicker and more agile. Because if you fight someone, especially in fighting games, who's really good at it, you want someone who's much quicker to get out of the way, so you can you know be much more nimble when they you know start doing their combo move set and stuff like that. So that's, uh, but in this case, I do like the fighter. And whenever they go into battle, they always have their weapons sheathed at first. So the first attack is actually them unsheathing their weapons and then they'll attack. So it's always kind of important to do that at the start of the level because if you just walk up to a character, you don't hit them, you just unsheath your weapon at first. And then they always get the first hit in. It's a bit odd of a mechanic, I think. It is a little bit, but I kind of like it. Like, it's kind of like a, a throwback to instead of attack, it's like you unsheath your weapon. So it's kind of more dramatic, I suppose. That's true. I suppose maybe that they wanted to show off the animation a bit as well. Have you finished this game? I did, yes. Last night or today. I don't remember. But yes. <laughs> well, I've been in a couple. So I got it. I actually, I don't know how you, how you played it. Re- did you play this recently for, with an emulator or something? I have played it on the Sega Saturn. The Sega Saturn is actually quite a good port. Uh, I have the Japanese version, which was a double pack, which comes with the sequel as well. The Mysteria something or other. Shadow of Mysteria? Shadow over right. Mi- Shadow over Mystara. Mystara? Is it Mysteria or Mystara? Mystara. Uh, it is Mystara, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, because I played it on on Steam, I got Dungeons & Dragons Chronicles of Mystara, which comes with both games. And so I I just played through it and and beat it and I played as the elf the whole time and mm. there are a lot see what I like about the elf is that in a lot of beat 'em ups like The Simpsons or Ninja Turtles or or X Men you have a super power right you can hit a button that basically kills a bunch of things really quickly and usually yeah. in those games it takes up a certain amount of health well in this game you actually get an inventory. Which you can actually, there is a button to cycle through your inventory and you can do things like throw a dagger or shoot a bow and arrow or cast a magic Mm. missile. And the elf is ridiculous because by the end of the game, you've accumulated eight or nine spells and you can just use all of them to basically destroy everything on the screen. So I think the elf is really, really powerful in that way. I think I just like the hack and slash character of the fighter, I think. But yeah, I think magic does, of course, come into play a little bit more. And the I think the fighter does have a couple of spells which will act as projectiles. The, the, the inventory of weapon cycling, I think, is quite clever for people like me who don't really understand. I just say dagger, arrow, magic, blasty, spelly thingy. And then you just kind of cycle to that and go, bam, haha. And you feel like, hey, I've sort of got the hang of this magic thing. It's not that hard. But not what I was so afraid of all these years. Mm-hmm. So I think the um, the gameplay is is engaging enough. The RPG elements are good for people like me. And there are different routes in the game that you can take. So there are different options. So occasionally you will come across someone who is in trouble and say, Oh my god, my village! There are these monsters that are attacking it! And you can then choose to go help this poor sap's village or go straight to the monster castle kingdom thing. 
And I always, of course, choose to go liberate the village because you get better stuff out of it. Yeah, that's true. The, so <laughs> My yeah. favorite decision in the game is there is a point where they say, well, do you want to take the long route around the mountain to get to the final castle, or do you want to go straight through and fight the dragon? And, you know, I'm I'm playing at home. I don't need to spend money to play this game if I die. I don't need coins. So I just say, yeah, I'll go fight the dragon. So another dialogue box comes up, and it says... Are you sure the dragon is really powerful and will probably kill you? And it's like, okay, no, I'll go fight the dragon. Or yes, I'll still fight the dragon or go around. And then it prompts you again and says, no, really, the dragon (laughs) is extremely powerful. You probably can't beat it. There are a total of four prompts that you have to go through. (laughs) Basically... And they're, funnily enough, they all sign (laughs) the dragon. Come on, did you want to fight me? No, no, come on. no, no, it's cool, man. But to we're, have we're cool. some humor, some element of humor in the game, I mean, it's it's extraordinarily well-written. And I think as somebody mm. who has played Dungeons & Dragons, it just it uses the license. And you said earlier, you know, why wouldn't they throw in this character? Because, you know, they got the license. Why not? Believe me, if you'd seen the Dungeons & Dragons mm. movie, you would be like, you would not take that for granted, the using the license well. Because they <laughs> use nothing of the license in that movie, except for like one monster and I think a character class name. But this game does a really, really good job of it. And, and at every step, every little story beat, every little piece of dialogue, it's it's either really over-the-top dramatic medieval or it's a little quippy. And, and I like the writing a lot. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's quite clever. What are your? What do you think are the flaws of the game? Because I've got a couple I want to mention, but I just wanted to see what you think are. Um, you know, there are some things that they could possibly improve on. I would say, when and when a, when a monster drops money, and you you have to walk up and hit the attack button to pick it up, and. I found that sometimes money will drop when you're in the middle of a melee combat, and then you end up grabbing money instead of slashing, and that can get a little. Uh, it can muddle you up a bit. Um, yeah. And the money does get kind of sparsely because as well as big bags of coins, they'll just have like, just a couple of like single coins on the ground as well. And if you just happen to be in that one particular spot while you're trying to kill something, he'll just uh, calmly, casually bend down and pick that penny off the yeah, floor. Yeah, and, and I would say that I, you know, the RPG elements are great, um, I would say that I prefer the RPG elements of a game like Gauntlet, where the upgrades that you purchase are more permanent, things like stat-based purchases. Because in this game, you can you can buy a mm. healing potion and heal up a little bit, but then you can buy you know a few arrows or something. But you know then you use them in the next level or before your next life gets taken away or it's gone, and it's it's a little more more temporary. So there is the leveling up, but in terms of there, there's not much choice in terms of, you know, it's not like you're specializing stats, like saying, I want to invest all my money in strength or in defense or whatever. Um, but, you know, for a game made as early as it was, it probably was, you know, 90, well, 93 was around the time they, they could have gotten that a little more advanced or not. And they didn't. So whatever. But it's I think it was. I think it was meant to be a D and D game that was more accessible. I think, and that was like this is this game. I do have a couple of D and D games in my collection. I even have one for the Master System, and none of them are are particularly exciting. But this one, 
kind of make, puts you in the action in a way that I think a lot of the other games don't. And maybe the other games aren't really suited to the arcade in the way that this one is as well. Mm. So my kind of two problems with the game are when you, whenever you get set on fire, which happens a lot because there are a couple of enemies that will set you alight. And that's fine, except number one, that these enemies are quite common in the later part of the game. Number two, they're quite difficult to avoid. And number three, when you get set alight, you stay on fire a lot longer than you should. Yeah. So it doesn't, like, it, it won't kill half of your, your life or anything like that, but there's not really a good way to put it out. Instead, you can't move and you're going, oh, God, I'm on fire, I'm on fire. And, you know, I don't think they can hurt you much while you're on fire because you're already being hurt because you're on fire. But at the same time, like, it just, it stays... It, ha- it goes on, that animation goes on for so long that it just gets laborious after a while. You think, oh, come on, I've done the fire thing. Why are there so many fire things? Yeah. I'm over being on fire. Uh, and I think they actually fixed that in the sequel as well. So they, they knew that they'd made a mistake there. My other problem is the last level, the actual uh, Tower of Doom title of the game. Like the last level, you go up a tower and you go around a big staircase and it's fair to say that the tower goes on a little bit to the point where I wasn't sure if I was making a mistake because it's just the same graphic where you're going up the staircase and like there's a little room you can go into and like, you know, get some upgrades and powers and, you know, fight some stuff along the way. But after a while I was like going, this is the same thing. Am I doing something wrong? Am I just entering the same room over and over again? And there's like a, a switch that I need to trigger or something like that. But in the end, you do actually get to get to the get to the the top and the final boss, and it's quite challenging, I guess, even with the pattern. Did you did you find it difficult to beat that boss? It was very difficult. I think I used by the time I finished the game, I used between thirty five and forty credits, which was about ten bucks. If if yeah. it's a quarter if it's a quarter coin up then ten bucks if it's fifty cents a play well then I'm not going to your arcade because I'm cheap um, but I, honestly I think fifteen of those came from the final boss and and what I guess there is one major pet peeve about the final boss as as I was playing as the elf the final boss is immune to magic <laughs> so my entire... uh-huh, looks like the fighter comes out on top again <laughs> yeah. So the entire reason that the fighter, that the elf is awesome, totally irrelevant in the final battle. But yeah, it's it a rough one. Mm. It goes on for just that little hair too much longer. Even after you get the patenting on, you kind of go, oh, it still kind of took me like five credits just to figure out where, you know, like what the pattern was. Because sometimes you think you have the pattern, then he changes up and you go, whoa, maybe, I mean, I know it's meant to be a coin sucker, but at the same time having something a little bit more obvious because to get to the end of that game you kind of need to crack open the front of the arcade and you give yourself unlimited i'd be very very shocked if there were people out there who could finish that that last boss for under a dollar of quarters Mm. yeah i would agree with that so final thoughts we ask the question would you recommend people play this game today in this day and age the year of our lord 2016 Mm. so before I answer that question, I have to ask you how you feel about beat-em-ups. I think beat-em-ups are a classic genre, but they're not so common 
anymore for the good reason that they're horribly repetitive. And you mm-hmm. can change the background, you can change the enemy type, but in the end, you're kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again. So f- to make a, a good beat-em-up in this day and age, you really need to change a lot of the formula, I think. But back in mm. back in the early 90s, you know, beat-em-ups were the best thing ever because they were so intuitive and they were so quick and you didn't need a lot of skill to at least be able to get past the first level and think, hey, man, maybe not too bad at this. So I think I still enjoy beat-em-ups, but the, I... I certainly have my limits to that genre these days. Okay, yeah, me too. Because there's a there's a beercade a couple blocks away from where I live now, and I love the place. And one of the first times I went, I saw the Ninja Turtles arcade game, and I go, "Oh, this is awesome! I can play this for free." It's a, you just get in free, and the drinks are expensive. Um, but I, I I played through <sighs> it. I played a few levels, and I stopped, and I just kind of looked at my friend and go, "This is tedious." It's really tedious. Mm. I mean, it, it is just it, it's it's just kind of mashing the same button. And I, I guess you know when I was again thirteen, fourteen, like you were talking about, it was the best thing in the universe. But they've really um, lost ground. So I just wanted to give that context before um, giving my final thought as to will I recommend this game. I actually would mm-hmm. because despite. The fact that it, it's a beat 'em up. This breaks up the tedium with with a story. And and granted, it's a it's not that deep of a story, but it's so well done. It it really hits the beats and actually does tell a story that you get somewhat like you get. I don't know. It, it feels like a good role playing game um, that you're playing and. It, with the magic elements and the things that you were mentioning. And there's also a huge difference between the characters you play. After I beat it as the elf, I started a game as the cleric just to play a level and see how different it was. Totally different experience. He has a spell that kills every undead creature on the screen. And you can use it infinite times. Wow, yeah. that is a good spell. Yeah. Maybe I should play as the cleric right. next time. But the you can't be attacked while you're casting the spell or it cancels it. So uh, okay. Yeah, so I there's see. a catch. So but this that blew my mind. I was like, "Oh wow, this actually has a totally different playstyle." So uh, that said, I think I think if I were to pick between this and other beat 'em ups, I would put this one over The Simpsons. I would put this over Ninja Turtles. I would put this right up there with X-Men, probably. Hmm. I got to say, I agree. Uh, as I do like beat-em-up games, and there are many different styles of beat-em-up. There's that, you know, there are very early ones. I think the beat-em-up genre kind of started in 76 or something. Kind of a brawler arcade game. But as it went on, they got more complicated and they started using licenses, as you said, like The Simpsons. Now, I have beaten The Simpsons. It is a long game and it's based off season one of the Simpsons. So they go to all these locations which you know and are familiar with, but there are only like three or four different types of enemies. And a few different types of bosses and one guy dressed as a bear and stuff like that. And you got Robo Mr. Burns at the end. But it's not that interesting and it takes a long time to get there. Whereas this does have characters which are individualistic enough that you that you know which one you want and which one suits your style of play so that's one good thing the other thing good thing is that it changes the scenery in the background other than like you know the last level it gives you choices and you know there are some pretty funny ways that the story moves and the uh and that the characters are utilized and the enemies are utilized so all in all 
Uh, if I was going to recommend uh, a beat-em-up for someone, I would say, yeah, this is a good one. Play this one here. Now, like, it still takes a long time to get to the end. So, you know, if you want, like, a simplistic beat-em-up, play Final Fight. If you want something that's a lot more involved, play uh, Dungeons & Dragons. And they're both by Capcom, I suppose. So go Capcom. Yeah, the cool thing about Chronicles of Mystara is as soon as you've beaten a level, that level becomes quote-unquote unlocked, and you can go back to that specific level. So if I get tired after two levels, I can just quit and come back to that same level. That's nice. I mean, that that is kind of that tells you what a good beat-em-up game is. If you actually want to go back and play a level again as a different character or whatever... Uh, if you have the impetus to go and do that, I think that's great. That means that they've made a good game. So all in all, I would say that uh, this is pretty highly recommended for an arcade. Now, these days, I think you can get it on Steam. Is that correct? You can get is that where Steam. you played yours? Yep. Yeah, the going rate is 15 bucks right now. And mm. would you pay? So... Do you reckon it's worth 15 bucks? 15 American? I'm, I would grab it on sale. I would say maybe 10 American bucks. But just wait for a Steam sale. They happen all the time. Yeah, um, I would I would recommend adding it to your wish list. That's and a good then, idea, I think. And then and then not choosing the dual arcade cabinet view from the <laughs> settings menu. We have to talk so, about this. Before. Yeah, this is this is the one thing that I didn't know about because I played it on. I have my main arcade, which I played it on today. And I have it on Sega Saturn, which is like the uh, the Chronicles pack again. Like you get both games, and I think that goes for quite a pretty penny at the moment because Sega Saturn games are getting quite rare, especially in the West. Oh yeah, because the Sega Saturn wasn't popular at all. But I got mine in Japan. I got like a Japanese Saturn, so mm. it's good that you can get this game through other means. But uh, Capcom have this weird thing of saying, "Hey, remember the arcades? They were cool. View it in arcade mode." And Cody tweeted me a picture just before we started the show of what is the most bizarre-looking kind of virtual arcade you could ever have. Yeah, it you can see it on Twi- you can see it on Steam. My Steam username is Duncan Fox, and uh, you can see it on my screenshots. And it's it's literally a, a picture of a full dual arcade cabinet with the Dungeons and Dragons logo on the top and you can see the joysticks and everything and the Capcom logo on the bottom and then uh, it, it's like a dual screen so there's a screen on the tilted slightly left and a screen tilted slightly right and you play on that screen but the screen is is like a third of the uh, of the verticality of your actual screen and less than half of the horizontal, so you're really it's playing. It's the size with, of a postage stamp, is what it yeah, is. You're, you're playing I don't like know 20, how you could possibly see it. It's literally twenty percent of the size of your entire t- of your entire screen. I'm not exaggerating. It is utterly ridiculous. I started playing in that mode because I figured it would zoom in or something, and then realized, oh my god, they actually made this the view in the game. And they offer a couple others. They offer a widescreen, but I I prefer the standard where it just does the uh, the the standard what four by three ratio yeah yeah Is that right yeah i think i can't i have actually played this in the original arcades i think back in 93 or 94 and that's when i first came across the game and went oh dungeons and dragons that's for nerds because that's exactly how i sounded when i was a you know a 13 year old boy mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> we don't believe that too i lost my accent too apparently but uh i remember not 
that was not the setup of the arcade. I do not remember that particular setup. I do remember that it was a massive arcade and it had four joysticks and a big screen, but I certainly do not remember like two separate arcade games on weird ass angles. Like who would play a game like that? Why did they do that? I mean, I maybe see. if if you play it can you play it over the internet or something like that? And you're looking at one screen each? I mean, I don't know. It makes no sense to me. It doesn't make still, any sense. If you're going to play it, I reckon I recommend that you play it in that style. Just to see how <laughs> far you can get through that game playing in that mode. Because I'm curious to know. And if you prefer it, if you go, oh, wow, this is the best thing I've ever played in this mode. Like, why? Why would you say yeah. that? Right. Maybe there's an achievement. I don't know. Oh, I will say the other <laughs> thing is you, you can unlock victory points for achieving certain in-game things like light 50 enemies on fire. And you can use those to buy a couple different things in the quote-unquote vault. And there are seven – most of it's concept art. Which, okay, fine, I don't really care. But there's like 40 things of concept art. And then there's another few things that they call house rules, which makes my heart smile because that's what you, that's the term you use for board games in, in pen and paper role playing games. So it's cool mm. that they call it that. But you can unlock house rules like infinite keys or don't need keys to open chests or uh, enemies drop more gold and, and a couple other things they can slightly modify. And I think there's like a boss rush or something. So um, there's a couple additional added extras. I think that's great. I think like, I, you know, those achievements and I'm sure they're not, they're not in the arcade or the Saturn version, but the fact that they put those extra rules in, called them by that name, I think is absolutely magnificent because it allows you to go back and play those games over and over again. So $15 to my mind seems a little bit expensive for these old arcade games. Not to say they're not good, but yeah, if they're on, if they're on sale, certainly nab them. And if you just see them like kicking around a dumpster at some sort of store for Sega Saturn, definitely pick them up. Because the, the arcade port for the Saturn is actually surprisingly really good. And I actually secretly love the Saturn. I love the Saturn. I love you, Saturn. <laughs> what? I gotta ask, what's your relationship with achievements? I don't have one. Because you're a, a retro, retro gamer. gamer. I'm a I retro know, gamer. But now so... you're not a retro gamer, so what's gonna happen? You have I Doom. A, I, I got a couple of achievements on Doom and I went, ooh, what's an achievement? Oh, I, I feel all tingly inside now. Ooh. Are you hooked? Do you feel like a better person? <laughs> you know what? Yes, I do. I, I feel like I, I feel like the game is rewarding me for like like I, I always thought when I hear people, especially on podcasts, going, "Oh, but they've got achievements now for that game," and they're going, "Who cares about achievement? I've got the real thing on cartridge, baby." But then as soon as you start racking up a couple of your own achievements, it's like, mm, I guess I'm pretty good at this game after all. I've achieved something. Today I can write in my diary, Dear Diary, today I achieved. It's and that's crack. a pretty special feeling when you're playing a video game. It's a crack feeling because it's crack. <laughs> you're doing crack. <laughs> at the time I was, yes. Yeah. Well, okay, that is Tower of Doom. Hmm. All right, and next we will have Game Life Talk. So, Cody, what has been happening in your so-called life? I, earlier this evening, actually, because it's evening here, I saw a film. It's a new, really, they don't print the name of the movie on the receipt. 
Huh, that's too bad. <laughs> you can't remember, can you? You have no idea what it's called. Well, it's a it's a it's a documentary by Werner Herzog. Have you heard of him? I've heard of the name certainly, but I'm not familiar with what his latest cinematic effort is, so to speak. Okay, he well, he did a documentary basically about technology and the internet and how we use it and connectivity, and it was it was pretty interesting. So I just saw that at a theater with with my girlfriend and that was that was quite lovely and other than that you know i uh for anybody that's listens to game life balance us we i did a lot of travel this summer and that's all over so now it's now it's just several months of working day in and day out and slaving away for the man um <laughs> uh, and nothing particularly exciting to, to look forward to although I am extremely tempted to try to save up with my girlfriend to go to the Tokyo Olympics. Ooh. Yeah, you've got four years. I reckon you could do that in four years. You could right? certainly... I, I've always wanted to go to Japan. Um, you know, I've always been a big fan of Japanese culture. I have one of my best friends, Logan, lived there for a couple dif- at, at a couple different points in his life. And... You know, the Japanese government is already saying that they want to have fully automated self-driving cars and taxis and car services ready in time for the Olympics. I mean, it's Japan, right? So, I mean, I imagine at least Tokyo being this this pillar of outrageous futuristic technology being shown off for basically no reason, just in just everyone being like, "We're in the future." Like it just they do that the anyway. Future. Like I've I've lived there. That's kind of like uh, their their mo. They show off that stuff even without the Olympics. They just have all of this magnificent stuff around. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, elevators. Yeah, they do that. You know, you don't even need buttons inside elevators anymore. No, it's fine. It's all good. See, Works by itself. Yeah, see, this is Read what I'm mind. talking about. Yeah. So of, of all the times to go, it's it just you know I've never had a. It, not like the Olympics is quote unquote a reason to go, but I've also never been to an Olympics. That could be cool. So it's like, you know, when's a good time to go to Japan? Well, might as well go and check out some athletes. And I don't know. It could be fun. So I'm, I'm considering that kind of long term, I guess. I'm sure I'm sure you will enjoy women's gymnastics very much, Cody. Oh. So that's, um... Is that legal over <laughs> You're there? thinking about it already. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of the ages and what the age of consent in Japan is and how perverse <laughs> I'll be viewed as if I... Uh, some of them are 18, right? Please. Oh, God. Uh. Look, there, there are so many things I could say about what happens in Japan and some of the Japanese culture towards people of a younger age, and I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> I kind of have to... I mean, I've watched enough, right? I've I've watched enough anime to, and and seen enough things on Reddit and other places on the internet to understand that sexuality in Japan is handled differently than I think anywhere else on the planet. It's it is interesting. It's it's a it's a very weird dichotomy because everyone sees the anime side of Japan, and. Although that is a very big part of their their popular culture, as is idolism and uh, and television and stuff like that, Japan is actually an incredibly conservative country in a lot of ways. You have people who all dress up the same, all go to the same place to work, 
and they always work overtime for free, will not get home till late, and they have certain cultural aspects like going out and drinking with your boss and wearing your your, your necktie around your head and singing sea shanties and whatnot. And <laughs> all of that sounds like fun until you realize that it's something that you have to do because your boss is doing it. You can't leave work until your boss leaves. And then I think when people have time off on the weekend, that's when they can let... All of, all of that stuff kind of comes out all at once and they can do their own thing. They can be the cosplayer that they always wanted to be. So it's it's a very strange mix sometimes because Japan is quite conservative in a lot of ways. But in the other hand, you know, they do have a lot of freedoms of, of what they want to do and how they want to act. So Japan, being as industrious as it is, tries to take advantage of the fact that, you know, anime is big outside of Japan. You know, everyone around the world knows who Super Mario is. Hence, uh, uh, Abe, the Prime Minister, coming out of a pipe dressed as Super Mario. That was so at amazing. the closing of the Olympics, yeah. And, you know, that kind of goes to show, but, you know, Abe is a conservative politician. And he, but he respects Nintendo because Nintendo was all about change. And that is what, uh, especially in a technological sense, what... Uh, Japan is always trying to do to itself. However, Japan, in terms of social structure, and especially women's rights, is actually quite far down the totem pole in first world countries. Because, you know, they expect women just when they have a baby, oh, no, that's the end of their career. It's over. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're going to stay home and look after the babies now. Otherwise, they're not real women. You know, they're not real mothers and stuff like that. And it's a, it's a weird kind of mix of, of old and new, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, and I, I know the birth rates in Japan are declining perilously. And I, I understand that there's a lot. You know, I, I read some some article, New York Times or Time Magazine or something, that, that talked about how dating culture is dying for a lot of men. And a lot of men are literally just playing dating simulator games to get their entire fix of dating and some literally say what's the point i don't have time to do this i don't have time to raise a family i wouldn't see my wife i wouldn't see my kids so it's uh and i i also but i'm also so fascinated by that mixture of old and new you know i i imagine a giant city with skyscrapers and then a mile away there's some you know old gardens with pagodas and things and and uh yeah. <laughs> It's totally like that. I mean, the, the Meiji Shrine is, is near, like, basically what is the youth capital of Japan, Shibuya and Harajuku. And you've got this, this old shrine with this big gate called a tori, you know, made out of really big timberous, this big timberous structure which you walk through to get into Meiji. And then just outside of the gate, that's where all the cosplayers used to hang out. Like, that's where you would go every Sunday morning to go and look at all the cosplayers. Wow. And, you know, you'd see like a samurai Ronald McDonald and uh, Colonel Saunders from KFC and stuff. And, you know, you'd have like the Lolita girls, like the little Bo Peep people with the um, like with the shepherd stick and everything like that. And it's it's such a an interesting dichotomy of uh, but it it meshes very, very well. I think like people aren't, uh, you know, they're not afraid to go out and do that so long as it's in the right circumstances, I suppose. So you do have people who are totally punk and part of a band on the weekends, but, you know, will go to just work in a normal shirt and tie during the week. And, you know, people don't know about their other life and vice versa. Like, they see this person, 
best friends with him, have no idea that he actually works for like a small accounting company during the week. Huh. Um, yeah, it, again, I think it's a fascinating place. Why did you live there for four years? Seven. Seven. Why did you live there for seven years? What brought <laughs> well, you there? I was always really interested in in Japanese culture. Um, I think it. I did watch stuff. Uh, so when I grew up in the eighties, as did you, for for most of it, I was born in eighty one, and I remember in Australia during the eighties, Japan was this uh, kind of like this mecca of business. It's like what everyone was talking about when I was growing up. And my dad worked for a bank and he was talking about what the Japanese were doing. Everyone was talking about the Nikkei and what was going on with the Japanese stock market and Japanese house prices Mm. and how everything in Japan was incredibly, incredibly valuable, including like Japanese business culture. So I remember like watching all of these news programs, like when I was barely able to comprehend things and just seeing all these massive skyscrapers and all of these bright neon lights and technology. And I remember watching Astro Boy and being vaguely aware that that was like a a cartoon from Japan, along with Voltron as well. So I think that was my kind of like my first touch of Japan. And then when I was growing up uh, in the 90s, I became aware of manga and anime like a you know because it's a natural progression you're interested in video games <laughs> mm-hmm. and then you know you know then your your friend goes oh yeah yeah there's this other thing like these really cool violent cartoons which have sex in them <laughs> and you think i'm a i'm a 14 year old boy that is exactly what i want out of my cartoon and you think that and you're in that voice too i'm 14 i just hit puberty i'm 14 i got a little voice. probably i sounded like this i'm 14 you, my balls haven't dropped yet but i really want that sex in in my cartoon you were a Sorry. muppet frog when you were 14 yeah kermit the frog here oh my god Yay. that was really good <laughs> you know that you've been told that you knew that was a good one Help you, I can. Yoda, I can also do. Yes. All right. So, yeah. No, we I, gotta, I have actually done a little bit of voice acting. I was before. about to literally say we got to get you into voice acting. Oh, man. This is uh, this is good. This is good to know. I have actually... So, yeah. I, I, there, there are some... Let's just say that there are some voice acting things that I've done that I am not proud of. Ooh. We should probably leave it. Hey, listen. At Gen Con uh, five years ago, I participated in uh, audience hentai dubbing. And they would show a scene from a hentai and then have someone from the audience come up and dub over the scene as a character. I won. (laughs) I have no doubt about that whatsoever. I hope that was released into the general public as well. Because that is something you should put on your resume. (laughs) Hentai voice actor extraordinaire and something about the Brian Noonan show. Now, I, I won the crowd over. Let's just say that at an opportune moment, I screamed, Leroy Jenkins! And uh, it was it was the right audience for that. I do believe that that name was involved in the conception of my daughter as well. <laughs> Should probably cut that part out. But I won't! <laughs> I just, you, were, you were taking a drink then, and I thought, this would be the perfect time oh to say God. something like that. That was so close to a spit take. <laughs> So close. I was lo- I was actually looking for a spit take sound effect on Google Sound Effects, but that's how I know you're a panel. I couldn't come because you were looking while you were spit taking, or almost doing that. You were looking for the sound effect for spit taking on your panel at the same time. That is true dedication. I, yeah. Well, what can I say? I'm 
dedicated to whatever this is? <laughs> it's just labeled drama. But I thought for a second there that you just ripped a really bad fart. You yep. just let one rip. That, actually, a cruise ship just crashed into my wall. I need to go patch <laughs> up the the bedroom over there. It's fine. What were we talking about before we got... Oh, voice acting. No, uh, Japan, Japan, Japanese culture, so many... I don't even know. It doesn't matter. I didn't even ask you how your life has been lately. You had a baby. I never congratulated you. Well, you did, maybe you did. I did. You gave, me, you gave me a copy of Doom, which was, which was more than congratulations <laughs> enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's oh, true. That, that, that was such a crazy, crazy week because um, it was... I was in video game heaven. Uh, but my wife could barely walk because <laughs> she was waddling everywhere. And she was like, oh, help me, you need to help me. And I'm like, I'm kind of dooming over here at the moment. And yes, you can verb that word. I've checked. You can totally verb doom to dooming. Have uh, you checked on Doomopedia? Doom- I'm sure it is Doomopedia as well, isn't it? I was an English a doom- teacher. I totally know how to do. Actually, <laughs> there- that's where all this started. Why I was in Japan for so long. I'm, I'm Googling Doompedia right now. It exists. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Oh, no, it's it's Doompedia. Doom, eh, Doompedia sounds better. It sounds way better. Doom-pedia. I'm disappointed in you. sounds too serious. Yeah, Doompedia. I'll, I'll actually and... finish off answering your question first. In that um, I ended up going to Japan because I was interested in Japanese culture. But Oh, that after... was the question. That's right. <laughs> that was a while ago. But basically, after a while, it got beyond anime and manga. And I thought, I'm actually interested in Japan as a country and as a culture. And uh, I heard about this program where you could go over and teach English and they'd find you a house and, and, you know, get you a job and everything like that if you passed some tests. And my best friend in Brisbane, Andrew Lynch, uh, was also interested in the same thing. So we both started at the same time and we actually said, oh, if you get accepted, are there any stipulations and I said, yes, I want to live with my friend Andrew Lynch. And he said, yes, I want to uh, live with my friend Andrew Campbell, which was my maiden name back then. So we were actually housed together in the same place in Saitama, just outside of Tokyo. And we went across there and it was only going to be for a year. And it was a working holiday. So we only like worked like four or five hours a day or something. Oh. But yeah, it you can imagine like it's... That was just the most insane part of my life because all I did was like work four hours a day, still had two days off a week. I taught like five lessons between five o'clock and nine o'clock. Because of that weird schedule, I would go to bed at 6 a.m. in the morning just because I got (sighs) home from work, drank all night, wait till the sun came up, went to bed, got up at about three, potted around for an hour and then went into work. And that went on for 18 months. That lifestyle was so addictive. It was the just the, the most crazy time. And like we couldn't afford to do much, but we managed to get a bit of traveling in. Alcohol was so cheap over there. My friend didn't drink, but I did. He had his computer shipped over. We just played uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City all <laughs> night. And we used to go to like the, the curry place down the road that was open 24 hours a day. And it wasn't like it was edible curry and it was nice Japanese curry, but it was like the cheap, cheap ass stuff. And we would get like a big bowl of curry for about three dollars. Oh, my God. I never would have quit that life. I 
my working holiday visa after 18 months actually ran out. So I actually mm. had to get the full-time instructor's visa over there. And then I got sick of the company I was working at. Uh, and then by this stage, I'd met my future wife. And then I just kept going and going and going and going. And then we eventually got married. And it was at that stage I went, I've been here for seven years. And I, you know, I was living with my best friend, uh, Andrew Lynch. And then I was uh, eventually... I moved out by myself and then uh, another couple of roommates and then my wife moved in and then we got engaged and then we got married. And then I thought after seven years, I think I need to go home because I was teaching at a, a public school uh, without any other foreigners there. So I was basically by myself and I was really getting this kind of sense of isolation and not being part of my own culture anymore, mm -hmm. which was a, a weird kind of thing to have. Because there was uh, there was no other people around that I could talk to during normal hours, I suppose, and um, and I just eventually decided I love Japan, but I'm going to go back to Australia after I get married. So we came here, and my wife adapted to Australian culture just in a snap. It was no problem for her. She got here, she learned the language really quickly, she got a job, and now she never wants to go back to Japan because she hates working unpaid overtime. What? So you did? You didn't learn any Japanese when you were there? I did. Yep, I learned quite a lot. I can read and write, and I can speak. But uh, yeah, you know, it was it was still quite isolating. I could talk to people, but uh, I don't know. Like, just after a while, just like not having just just completely in a working environment. Uh, you know, oh, the weather's nice. Oh, yes, you know, things are going well at home. Not like really being that close to other people. And my, my best friend had moved out into a different part of the city by that stage. And I really wanted to show my wife what Australia was like as well. So I just decided uh, to come back. And I'm sure I'll live in Japan again one day with my uh, wife and child. Because I think my child needs to know what it's like to live in Japan as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm sure it'll happen again. But it'll be quite different. Because, you know, I, I was in my 20s then. And now I'm a little bit more mature and stuff like that as well, I think. Well, let's not go too far. Well, no, but I have a child, so, you know. <laughs> there's, You're older. There's, I'm, yeah, it, I'm showing my age. <laughs> and, and, and more fit, because I understand you lost weight, so that's... I did, yeah. I just, uh, over the past year or so, I lost about 10 kilos, 13 kilos or something. That is awesome. I'm trying to lose weight. I just joined a gym. Oh, that's the other thing. Life stuff. Because you did ask me what I've been up to. I joined. Today, I joined officially the gym that is two blocks away from my apartment. And I am going to get a personal trainer very soon and actually start to exercise because I met my girlfriend a, a little uh, under just about uh, two years ago in October. And um, ever since then, I just have not cared about apparently my body or health or well-being and well, well I, that's it that i'm 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 going to die a fat happy man yeah uh, now i'm chips now i'm six feet four inches tall which is a lot of centimeters i think it's over 200 that is, centimeters you're about two or three centimeters taller than i am and i'm 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 pretty tall but yeah i mean but you don't look like you need it doesn't look like you could lose weight from any right I get this you're all the time. You're kind of tall and, yeah, yeah. But yeah I wear, I wear the extra fit, 
yeah, I wear the extra weight well, but it, it it's not where I want it to be. I don't actually want it at all, and I'd like to put on a little muscle. So uh, that is my official thing, and you'll be hearing more about that probably on Game Life Balance US. And uh, Brian and I might actually get a dietitian in on the Brian Noonan show to talk about some stuff because he's trying to get in better shape too with various stuff. So fitness will be our our focus because I can't go anywhere because I'm out of vacation days, so I have nothing better to do. <laughs> You need to amuse yourself somehow, right? Yeah, that's that's what I, what I thought. So you've you've basically depleted all of the vacation days you've used up. So for for those of you who are unaware, Cody was in uh, Spain. He did a bit of a, a Euro vacation without Chevy Chase, mm-hmm. which is probably the best way to spend a vacation. <laughs> um, <laughs> More or less. So I'm, I'm having flashbacks now to Chevy Chase's vacation. Anyway. Um, so you you spent a bit of time in England, I think, and then you you actually spent the majority of your time in Madrid. Was that right? Yeah, I was in England for just a basically a stopover. I was there for like a day and a half, and then hopped over to Madrid um, because my girlfriend was staying there for a month. She teaches Spanish. She's got a PhD in Spanish, and as she was going to be there my company had an office in madrid and they said and i i talked to them and worked it out so i most of the time there was a vacation but i also worked out of there for a few days so that gave me a little extra time to kind of acclimate myself which was which was really really cool but yeah i am but it's the week before i left for madrid i took three days off for a podcast conference that you saw me live tweeting yeah, I was I was really I was actually at work then and I was like going, "Oh, I really wish I could just like have my lunch break a bit earlier just so I can watch you live tweet this." <laughs> Cuz that conference was fascinating stuff. Like it was really interesting and it was it was what was what fascinated me the most about that is that I was looking at all of the stuff you're live tweeting about uh, you know how to do a put good podcast. And I was like going, "Yep, yeah, we do that. We do that. The American guys do that. You know, like we both, you know, both shows do this. We're doing really well, except we have no listeners. And they got to this part <laughs> about, you need to promote your show. And we went, oh, yep, that's the one. That's the thing we're not doing. We're not letting people know that we actually have a podcast. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I had this very similar reaction. Do we both, both of our podcasts do a lot of things, right? And you and Rob say almost every episode, you say something about how, Game Life Balance US is like intimidating, well produced, or very professional sounding, or something. I, I totally think that you're just the, at the exact same level as ours, <laughs> if not slightly better. So I, I never feel like we're in any way a superior podcast to yours. But I, I think we both do pretty much everything right, and we're really pretty great, and neither of us have any listeners. But you know, <laughs> what can you do? That's fine. I, I'm fine with it. But then when I returned from Madrid, two days after I got back from Madrid, then I went to Gen Con, the gaming convention. So I think I figured it out. And in the month of July, I worked out of my my actual office here in Chicago. I think it was two days or something. The the entire month, the rest was either I was traveling on vacation somewhere. So I am out of vacation days and I, I think I'm actually slightly in the red and will not be able to take any days off until November or December but I'm, I'm hoping no one audits my uh, my vacation balance before then uh, I think you should I think you should be alright I mean it's not like you're going to quit and say ha suckers I got away with two vacation days you'll never know about 
Right. No, you know, it's it's like they let me go to Madrid. I'm not going to just be like, oh, hey, peace out. I'm going to leave now. I'm not looking for work. I like my job. So, yeah, you well, know. that's good. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, you did actually work out of your Madrid office as well, which I find pretty cool. The fact that you have a Madrid office, I think, is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was cool to brush up on Spanish. I, I actually ended up working harder out of there than I did than I was in Chicago at the time. Cause, you were trying to impress them, weren't you? Well, well, no, I have a global role, and I was in high demand, and they wanted trainings on stuff. So I was meeting everybody in the office and training them on all these things, and it was uh, it ended up being quite 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 a lot of work, but. I don't know. It was on. It was at a you know but exotic that could location. Be a really good thing. Like if if you get good feedback about the training that you did there, you could say, well, you know, the Madrid guys really appreciated the extra effort I put when I was training them. Perhaps you could send me to one of the other international offices, and I reckon I could do a a pretty good job training them up, them up too. I mean, I was on a call with some of our colleagues in our Mexico City office today, and they did invite me to do a presentation for their office. Oh. I haven't brought that up to anybody, but because I said, well, we don't really have a budget to fly me down. But, I mean, if you guys came up with a budget. <laughs> so. Uh, yes. Into, into office politics are always fun. Yeah. Now, my company's pretty chill. I, I like it. It's, it's, it's good. It's pretty... It's pretty. See, it's it's MBD, MBD, totes, JK, SMH, <laughs> LOL. But you have you have like three jobs, don't you? Like you you do have your main job. You've got the the Brian Noonan gig, and like and you work Sundays as well. I do believe. So you've only got like one day off a week. You're like in in high demand all the time, doing lots of stuff. I d- I do only have one day off a week. I I I've got my quote unquote nine to five or whatever five days a week i've got i do brian show is on sundays i record the podcast and the show sundays but then i edit it during the week usually i record my podcast bi-weekly and you can see why it's now bi-weekly because uh it's just quite busy and 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 I mean, when it gets busy at work we don't get paid for overtime either i'm never working 70 hour weeks or anything but i'll put in a, a 45 50 55 hour a week if if things are getting really busy and I'm not getting compensated for that, and then on the side I have uh, an agent um, for commercial acting auditions, and I never ever ever get cast. I think out of a couple hundred auditions, I've been cast once, and I did shoot a, con- a commercial for the Kentucky Lottery. Fun fact. Huh. And uh, <laughs> so was was that an audio or was that an actual acting? This gig? is a commercial acting gig, a principal role in a TV commercial. Oh, wow. So, okay. yeah. Um, it was the cool. Is that on YouTube? Can I look that so, up on YouTube? The coolest thing ever and the worst thing ever about it. The coolest thing ever was it was directed by a guy that used to be a writer on Saturday Night Live back in the 80s when John Belushi and Chris Farley and all those guys were around and like Chevy Chase and everybody. So he'd worked with all these crazy famous people and he was a really cool, funny guy. He'd like Emmy award winning, you know, comic director. The worst thing ever about the gig was that it was never it it died in post. So uh, and that's so it never actually made it to where never made it to anything. I never even got any footage from it. I have some photos as proof that it happened, and I have the you know <laughs> I've got the plane ticket itinerary, but uh, you cannot find a second of footage anywhere. 
on it. That's such a shame. That's such a shame. So you still actually you you still go out and audition for quite a lot of stuff. Yeah, I audition for stuff. So you know, hypothetically, that would be a third job. And actually, I'm performing in a show Halloween weekend, just an improv show near me. There's a improv group that like a sketch group that kind of they do a few performances a year, and they usually invite me to perform in them. It's like I'm ongoing, just assumed cast kind of a thing. So uh, yeah, I'm very busy. <laughs> And overproductive and should probably just take some more time to spend with my girlfriend or do other things. But then if I'm doing other things, then I'm not taking it easy. So I don't really know. But yeah. I, I, now you're doing what you want to do. And I think that's really respectable, really. Like, I mean, I so, like sometimes you, you say all of this stuff and I think, oh, I, I can just imagine what my life would be like if I did actually stay in Australia and do all that. Because, you know, I've, I've done a, a little bit of production stuff. I've done some radio stuff. I've done, you know, I, I did theater sports when I was in university. I would never consider myself a good act, actor by any <laughs> means. But I've done stuff like I've always wanted to do stand-up comedy. So when I was in, in Japan, like they, they had this Australian, um, uh, this Australian pub in Shinjuku. And I just, you know, they had like an open mic uh, kind of night. So I went there and did stand-up a couple of times and, uh, you know, got got a, a couple of rounds of applause and went, well, now I've done a, a little, at least a little bit of stand-up comedy. And that's cool. So I, I keep tr like dipping my toe in the water of like doing fun stuff and and branching out and, and you know, like the podcast stuff. And we did our YouTube uh, TV series, uh, YouTube series, not TV series with Rob called Bit Seizure and I kind of keep always skimming the water of these things but never in any sort of serious professional way I just kind of like I like the fact that I've experienced what it might be like to work in those fields for a little bit and I I really enjoy it but at the end of the day I I need to be the responsible family man now because the, any other sorts of things like you know we both run the podcast at a loss oh yeah I mean, you know like we need to pay for hosting. We need to pay for, um, you know, we need to pay for our own production equipment and everything like that. We don't have any sponsors. We do it purely because it's fun and we like to entertain people and especially our friends. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's fun and good, but we're not going to get paid for it. But on the other hand, we're never going to stop doing it either. You know, we'll, we'll always be doing something, which is what I like about the hobby is that you can, you can be as creative as you want. And if you're not getting paid for it, well, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. Yeah, that, that's why I got into podcasting is because I was taking improv classes that like Second City and other places. That's how I got into the commercial acting opportunities. And I wanted to own something because I realized all of that is so subjective. No, I mean, no acting. There was a story a casting director shared that this girl auditioned for a dance role in a commercial and she nailed it and she killed it and she didn't get cast. And later she found out it was because there were seven or eight other girls that they had cast and they were all five, nine. And this girl was five, 10 or five, 11. And it would have made it entirely. It would have made it look weird in the commercial if she was an inch taller than everybody else. And that's literally why she wasn't cast. And this stuff happens like with, with, yeah. with regularity and and i i said to myself i'm like you know i don't i just don't want to be at the you know i don't want my creative outlet to be at the whim of somebody who decides whether or not it's good enough i just want to put something out there directly 
So that's podcasting, and that's why our listeners have to put up with our unfiltered nonsense, whether it's good or not. No, I think that's one of the great things, though. Like, they can tune out at any time, but they choose not to. So it's kind of like Stockholm Syndrome in that case. True, true. And I have, I to, I have to disagree with you. You are a very good actor because sometimes you pretend to like Rob. And <laughs> I almost believe it half the time. You know what? I actually love Rob. It's just it's the other way around. Like because <laughs> Rob when we first started the podcast, there was this there was this certain uh like Rob because I hosted our YouTube channel Bit Seizure. And Rob when we decided to do a podcast, Rob came to me and I said, uh look, I want to be the host of of Game Life Bounce and I said, Okay, that's fine, you can you can be the host. Um and I think Rob initially wanted to be uh, wanted me to be the patsy oh. so if you, at the start of every episode he will always say and andrew and andrew ac yoshimura who is you know n- uh, you know the the 12th most successful playboy bunny ever and he never tells me what he's going to say to me at the start and i always have to come up with something off the top of my head so none of that is ever scripted i just say the first thing that comes into my head oh. and usually nine times out of ten it turns the tables on him and he goes oh i can't believe you said that <laughs> And we have to stop recording because we're laughing so hard. Oh, that's awesome. Because, oh, did, did you really have to say that about the baby Jesus, Andrew? Did you really? It's like, yeah, kind of did. I mean, so, that's great. I love working with Rob and I love Rob, but I think Rob seriously sometimes just has the shits with me. And that's one of the great things about being the co-host because I can be the wacky co-host and I don't have to edit anything afterwards. He has to edit me. And I hate editing me because everything I say in my own opinion is spun bloody gold oh it's absolutely gold i can't i don't i don't i have never considered you two on any unequal footing i just i always listen and just think you two are equal equal billing i guess i think it i think we are yes but i think also rob has reigns of the show which is a good thing because i don't know if you know this but so far uh, you and I have been talking over for an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> Whoops. I am probably not going to edit that down much either as well. We're only, well, I think we're a bit more than halfway through. But uh, <laughs> I think um, the stream of nonsense thing was me wanting to just have a conversation without being stymied by our format. The format is there for a very good reason because otherwise it gets way out of control. Uh, as But... Interestingly enough, our stream of nonsense uh, every fifth episode ends up usually being like a serious conversation and debate about ethics in video games and stuff like that. We don't mean for that to happen, but it just kind of comes out that way if you're like we're both tired and we both have serious opinions we want to get out, whereas the, the normal format ends up being more wacky, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, we ended up random. Well, yeah, I, I mean, we're not doing stream of nonsense, but we did end up talking about Japanese culture for a while, which was enlightening for me. And mm. uh, you know, sometimes accident. We sometimes we accidentally say things that are not totally off the wall and random, and you know, whatever. Yeah, I, th- I don't know. I think I think I, I especially like, uh, like when I because when you guys came to me or you came to. Uh, to the email address and said hi I'm totally not a Nigerian princess can we have your name Mm -hmm. I went back and I listened to a whole bunch of um, unqualified gamers and there were a lot of them as well I couldn't I couldn't go back well way back through the archive 
But I, I certainly saw by the end of it why you wanted to change your format as well, because your gaming podcast was just you playing Final Fantasy fourteen all the time. Mm-hmm. Saying, I know we talked about this last week, but we're going to talk about it again this week as well. Uh, and it, it followed more a similar format, but you guys had the chemistry there which is really good to have in co-hosts, especially considering the fact that you're not in the same room together. Um, and it, sometimes that's really hard to capture that magic because Rob and I are always in the same room and it's, it's very easy to bounce off each other when you're sitting face-to-face and slightly caressing Rob very ever so sensually. And he hates that. Oh, God, Whereas, so like, creepy. You and... And but you know you you guys do it you guys have that brilliant chemistry and I just love how I think the uh, game life guidance episode we had was so lethargic for Uncle Stabo because half the time he was just complaining about you so much. Oh yeah, this is like, oh, Cody, this Cody that I f- f- friggin' hate Cody and stuff, and it was just like I think you secretly love Cody. I think you have a man crush on Cody. I don't think that is the case whatsoever. <laughs> uh, not even, not even by a long <laughs> shot. I, 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 I was explaining this to him after after I made some horrible, horrid, horrid joke. The kinds of jokes that I make are the kinds of jokes that people laugh at and really laugh at but hate themselves for laughing at and then by extension hate me for laughing for making them hate themselves so it's this weird self-loathing things for example so i got i was really drunk or something last week and that's how all good stories start yeah and i i my girlfriend and I were sitting here, and I oh something was going weird with my microphone. Like I thought I had accidentally downloaded some malware or something, and my mic was broken or wasn't reading my my USB port. So I just hit record on Audition to make sure it was working, and I reset a couple things and I got it to work. And I just recorded a minute and a half or so of me making weird sounds out of my throat and then doing weird accents and devolving into this it was so bizarre i can't i don't even remember what i said but i immediately opened up my email wrote an email to john and said here's our new podcast intro and just sent it (laughs) and the next day on google hangouts he says so i thought that was actually an open so i played it and listened to it while sitting on my couch with my wife and I said, how did your wife like it? And he says, she hates you. And that's just one of those moments because I know that both he and her probably laughed at what they heard. But it was so stupid that they hated themselves for laughing at it and by extension hated me. So I think that that sums up my relationship with John in a nutshell. He likes me, but he I hates think... that he likes me. Yeah, I think that might have a have a, an air of truth to it. I think I think there is something similar because I have that sort of sense of humor. I seem to be able to drag that that piece of Rob out of himself that he hates. Because <laughs> if I say something and it's funny, then he'll try and top that and I'll try and top that. And I'm inevitably the one that always goes too far and crosses that imaginary red line. But, you know, like the last episode we did, which was the first episode back, 
was just it, it got way 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 off the rails and it was funny but at the same time i think maybe i went a little bit too far in some of the segments about jesus being reincarnated as a piece of wood that was actually the piece of wood that he got nailed to the cross in and i don't know it kind of got a little bit out of <laughs> i don't remember that part did you edit that out <laughs> No, no, I was in there. I think it was. I think it was me having this mental image, and then it, it it got out of control. But I think that's that is something that people like. They will laugh, and then they'll go, "Oh God, I've just become one of those people. I've become <laughs> one of those people on you know that you, you you watch adults do that sort of stuff." And I don't still don't count myself as an, an adult. But, you know, you'll see adults sniggering sometimes at something on TV, and then like compose themselves immediately. And go, mm, yeah, mm, that, that wasn't that funny, was it? Yeah, no. And I think that's what happens to Rob and, and um, probably Uncle Stabber as well, is that they, they're much more mature than we are. <laughs> and then we make them laugh and they go, ha ha, that's funny. Oh, mm, I mean, mm, mm, that's not funny at all. What are you talking about? Yes, excellent. Yes, that is it. So if we ever need to rebrand again, then both your podcast and our podcast can be something like the self-loathing podcast. Or the You're Going to Hate Yourself podcast or something like that. We would probably get more listens that way as well. <laughs> and I like the fact that already, even if we need to rebrand ourselves, we're not splitting up. This, this, is, this, is, this venture is for life now. No matter what you do from now on, you will be directly connected to those two assholes in Australia. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, yes, I'm happy about that. I, uh we should probably continue with yeah, whatever it is just because I record from my bedroom and at some point I know my girlfriend will want to sleep because it is half past midnight here. Um, not to okay, rush anything, right. but I was just looking at the clock and realizing that as predicted on the podcast with Rob, this could <laughs> literally go for another two hours. Yeah, it really, really could. So I think... I think that that concludes the game life talk segment, which we did not really talk about games at all. And we talked about how much our co-hosts hate us. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, pretty, pretty good, really. Uh, we did talk about uh, Dungeons and Dragons games, so that's, that's good enough. I will just say quickly that uh, my plane tickets are booked and I am going back to Japan at the end of the year for about a month or five weeks or so. A month? Over Christmas. Yeah... Uh, basically, I'm using a lot of my leave, and we have a shutdown period at work, and I have some parental leave left as well. So I'm grouping all of that together. So from around the middle of December till like the 20th of January, I will be back in Japan. Uh, so my wife and my baby can spend time with my wife's family oh. over there. So I will be able to spend a bit of time over there, which I'm really looking forward to. And I will get to spend a lot of time in Tokyo going retro game hunting as well. Oh, I see the real reason. No, no, it's all for my daughter, really. It's truly all for my daughter. <laughs> as you straighten your bow tie, uh, <laughs> snidely whiplash. So, that, is, that is my news at the moment. But uh, next and finally, we have a quiz. So now at the end of every Game Life Balance Australia episode, or almost all of them, we didn't have one last week last time whatever um we have a quiz and i scrolled this down on a piece of notepaper 10 minutes before we went live sweet <laughs> because i have no sense of timing and organizational ability whatsoever my wife was saying to me 
uh, we need to wash the baby because apparently the baby's bowels are like a TARDIS, much bigger on the inside, and then when they evacuate themselves, it goes everywhere and emergency baths are required. There is a visual that I want in my head before I go to sleep. Yes. Oh, yes. Have have really seriously think hard before you have a baby. Is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Why do you think I haven't? I love done my one daughter. <laughs> I love my daughter, but that was just like, oh, I really need to write that quiz. Oh my god, what the? Oh god, oh emergency. Good. <laughs> Press the red button. Good. So here we go. I have compiled a list called beat 'em ups brawlers. So this is a quiz, and it's either real or fake. I am going to read out the titles of beat-em-ups or brawlers, or whatever you want to call it, and I just want you to tell me if they are real games or they are fake games, which I have made up. All right. So pretty easy concept. I'll start with a pretty easy one. Battletoads and Double Dragon. That... Literally... The NES game <laughs> on YouTube. I am holding up the box for the NES game. It has the complete in box edition of Battletoads and Double Dragon. What do you think of that game? Do you like it? Uh, I have not played it in forever. Honestly, the reason it's on my desk is because I just went through a bunch of old NES games and I'm selling several of them just because I, I don't. I don't. I'm trying to get rid of as many physical objects as possible uh, and going digital. Oh, it's a dangerous road you're walking down. I know, you're but doing, you go, you're basically doing an Uncle Stabo there, getting rid of your game. But see, Uncle Stabo, the difference very is very disappointing. No, but he had a game collection of 300 plus games. I only have like 12 NES games. So when you have such a small quantity in the first place, and, and I'm going to keep a few. It's like why not trim the fat, make a make a hundred bucks if you sell some decent old games, and you know it. it yeah, if enough. like if I had every Zelda game. I would keep all the Zelda games or something, but but this is different. Mm. So um, this is in the. I all think right. The well, movies. true. Yep. That is that is definitely one to Cody. I'll just keep score on my side. Yeah, that was kind of unfair, um, but yeah, so that, that, that was that was a really easy one. But I just wanted to introduce what the basis of the quiz was. Got it. Okay, next one. So we all know the game Bad Dudes, but what about Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja? There's no way that's a game. True or false? That's no way. It's false. No way. That's a game. No way. False. You know what? That's kind of a trick question because the name, the full name of Bad Dudes is actually Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja. Oh, that's awful. That's... Oh, why? Why? It's a wonder me. Why is that a... Uh, all right. But it's actually the name... Yeah. Are you bad enough to rescue President Ronnie or whatever it is? But it is actually the, the full title of that arcade beat-em-up is Bad Dudes versus Dragon Ninja. Wow. Yeah. Bit of trivia there for you. All right. Okay, next All right. one. Next one. You ready? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus Power Rangers. Was that a game? Was that a beat-em-up? I would love if that game existed, but I would also know if that game existed, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> ah, you're right. That is false. <laughs> however, however, there was actually a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers TV special at one stage. I knew I that. No I did the context know that. Text was yeah, but you see the I I don't know. I'm guessing it's some sort of anti drugs after school special or something like that. I don't know. We didn't really have those things in Australia, but I've never seen any more footage of other than the Ninja Turtles shaking hands with Power Rangers. So, 
who knows if that's like a real episode or not it, or just like a thing that happened i believe it was a real episode but not of the original cast i don't know which cast got to do it but i i think it was just a straight up power rangers episode you know turtles warp in at the beginning and then fight somebody and then warp out kind of a generic <laughs> crossover <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's basically what we're doing right now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Ninja Turtles, by the way. You're the Power Rangers. You got I'm that fine with that. Up. Power Rangers are awesome. <laughs> Obviously, I'm of a slightly older generation than you. Ever so slightly. Okay, next one. Altered Beast versus Alex Kidd. Oh, oh God. Why are there Sega s- classics? Why are there so many versus games? Because that's what they all... I mean, if I just said one straight name, you'd go true, true, true. Uh, that's true. I'm I'm going to say false. That is false, yeah. There was no Altered Beast versus Alex Kidd, although that would be good because you'd, your money would be on Altered Beast. But Alex Kidd, he can pack a wallop. I know, a, you're a, I know you're a big fan of the Alex Kidd. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing because I'm not... I am a fan, but I know they're not good games. I just happened to have that <laughs> one game when I was a kid that I played to death. And I think the joke is that the very last episode of Game Life Balance Australia, we will review Alex Kidd and Miracle World for the Sega Master System as our featured game. So that's when you know it's the last episode, is when we nice. review that game. Okay, next one. Dynamite Ducks. You are a duck wearing a bow tie, beating up crocodiles. That has to be real. I'm going to say it true. Is real. That is true. You're doing very well. That is actually, that was an arcade, 16-bit arcade, but also came out for the Sega Master System. I have a copy of Dynamite Ducks, and I couldn't be prouder. Actually, it really depresses me, and I hate my life. But still, (laughs) it's a real game. It is a 100% legitimate game. Uh, I'll take it. Next one. Okay. Dungeons and Drag Queens Conservative Bash. This is an open source game where you play as a drag queen in the White House beating up the Republican Party. True or false? Is that a real open source game or did I just make that up? Dungeons and Drag Queens. And give me this give me the premise again. You are a drag queen going through the White House beating up the Republican Party. I'm gonna say sad but true. False. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I can't Are believe we... that game was true. I just, I just like saying Dungeons and Drag Queens. Yeah. I, I... think that would be a fantastic game. Just going uh... around beating up conservatives. I weep for America. <laughs> because that's such a realistic thing that could totally exist. <laughs> Patent pending. Oh, God. All right, next one. We have Beats of Rage, an open source game based off Streets of Rage 2. So, Beats of Rage. I'm going to say true. That is actually true. That is an open source game that has like a... The graphics are updated from Streets of Rage 2 and it has a much better soundtrack. But uh, other than that, I don't really, you know, see the point of Beats of Rage, really. I I thought it was awesome that it existed and then I watched it on YouTube and went, eh, it's alright, I guess. Yeah. Alright, Cody 5, AC3. Ninja Baseball Batman. An arcade only released in America and Japan. Ninja Baseball Batman. False. True. What? What? 
Ninja Baseball Batman is actually true and Batman is not like the Dark Knight comic book character but he is a man with a bat it is a beat-em-up where you go around beating beating up the enemies of baseball look it up Ninja Baseball Batman I have played it before and you know what Cody my friend it is a good solid beat-em-up game oh god Japanese is all hell but it is a good Uh, all right I'll give you that one (laughs) This is a fun game. (laughs) All right, next. Number nine. Big Bottom Bertha's Tiny Tingle Punch. A Japanese-only arcade game. Big Bottom Bubba's Tiny Tingle Punch. True. False. Frack. (laughs) Alliteration, you are my friend. Mm. As soon as you put Japanese-only, people go, no, I'm not sure that could be true. Because, frankly, it could be true. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Ninja Baseball Batman is a 100% true real game. Okay. Here we go. AC4, Cody 5. Question 10. It's either going to even it up or you're going to win. All right. Sesame Streets of Terror, where you play as Cookie Monster or Big Bird fighting the communist Elmo. <laughs> oh, boy. Sesame Streets of Terror. If if this exists, I <laughs> I will download it and play it tomorrow. First thing when I wake up. But I I am going to say f- I believe it's false. Ooh, Cody, it's no, false. yes you win. Oh God, I was going to. S- <laughs> All right, you. It is a false game. It better be. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> Sesame Streets of Terror sounds like the best game ever. Where you just you're just going around the streets, fighting up, gro- fighting Grover and uh, what's the what's the big elephant guy? Snuffleupagus. Snuffleupagus, yeah, throwing trash cans full of grouches. I, I should know this. I have a baby, but I, I can't remember <laughs> Sesame Street very well. I just remember that Elmo's red and thus probably a communist. Probably, you know, the the only thing that tipped me off was that you said. The Dungeons and Drag Queens was just fun to say. And as soon as you said streets of Sesame Streets, of, like, I was like, all right, this is Sesame Streets of Terror. clearly something that, that AC just made up because it's fun to say. So uh, that, that was the only tipping point. But yeah, that was a good quiz, a you, very good quiz. That's all. So yeah, I hope you learned something. The first one was, uh, was a bit of, give, uh, of a gimme, but... Battletoads and uh, Double Dragon is actually quite a good game. Like from from what I've played of it, it's actually quite fun and uh, got really rave reviews at the time. Whereas I'm not a fan of the original uh, Battletoads game because that's just painfully a, an difficult, annoying, frustrating sort of game. There's no reward there. You don't get no achievements out of that game. No, no. What the only reason I have the box on my desk is because I. I've got maybe 10 NES games in their boxes and I checked on eBay and you know, they're at most worth seven or eight bucks or something. So not really worth selling, but I believe Battletoads versus double or Battletoads and double dragon is on my desk because this one actually fetches a pretty decent price here. So I might hang on to it till it appreciates in value or I might sell it while it's valuable. I I've made the mistake before because my friend lent me his copy of Dragon Ball GT Final Bout for the Sony PlayStation. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, which at the time, in America anyway, was the only Dragon Ball game 
that you could get for a, and it was a fighting game wasn't it mm-hmm, for years and it was it was going for more than three hundred dollars on eBay well not going for that now because now emulation and every there's a zillion games Tenkaichi Budokai 14 or whatever and uh, it's pretty much worth totally nothing so I missed the boat on that one sadly that's a shame I, I don't know I'm one of those people who just keeps thing. I, I, I kind of say oh look what I got today honey I got this really rare game for quite cheap and she says why don't you sell it and I say no I'm going to keep it and collect it until it <laughs> depreciates in value because I'm a collector and thus an idiot. Yeah, the only thing I might sell is I have two copies of Final Fantasy 3 for Super Nintendo. Final Fantasy 6, technically. Yeah, and mm. so I I picked one up. It was one of those things at a, you know, Salvation Army or something, or a, a thrift store where, hey, there's a game for $5. What game is that? Oh, my God, it's Final Fantasy. <laughs> and you realize you can turn it around for 40 or 50 bucks. But I, I, I'll probably hang on to that for a while. I mean, you got two copies. You could always sell one. I've actually been selling a, a couple of doubles that I've had recently. I had one of the Game Boy Micros, like the Game Boy Advance Micros, tiny little things, great screens, but they're so postage stamp small mm-hmm. that my poor eyesight after playing handhelds for 25 years, my eyes can't take it anymore. So I just want, I've got one in the box. I'll sell the other one. Got a hundred bucks for it too. So those things are going up in value as well, obviously, at least in Australia nice yeah i don't i don't know much about the market here because i've gone so digital with everything the only physical game i'm planning on buying this year is final fantasy 15 and that's only because it's only going to be available on playstation 4 and xbox one at launch and i have a playstation 4 so there you go but if not for that the only other game i was looking forward to this year was no man's sky and that has been demolished by online reviews so i'm you're not gonna buy it anymore you're not gonna you're not gonna give it a go i'm actually still interested in playing it i think that there's a lot of hate to that game because people expect it a lot all i knew about it was that you can explore stuff and that's all i want to do so i'll pick Mm. it up for 10 bucks when it's on sale but not for full price yeah i'm not interested in those sorts of games so much but uh I, I was never part of the hype, but now that it's come out and it's like a, a nice casual sort of space exploration thing where not too much happens and you go to different planets, I thought, you know what, I might actually pick that up. That sounds like more like my kind of game than what was originally pitched to me by the internet. So, you know, if it yeah, if it does come up for ten bucks, I might uh, get a copy on Steam or something when it's on sale in the next couple of years i have the great thing about being a retro gamer is that you can have lots of patience for stuff like that mm-hmm. you know it's like oh i don't you know i don't need to pick it up anytime soon if i'm interested in a couple of years time i'll pick it up for 10 bucks then but you know they might add a lot of things to that game which might make it very different than what it is now so it'll be interesting to see where that goes that's true and see you have that luxury because you're a retro gamer i have that mm-hmm. luxury because i'm cheap <laughs> Yeah, I have a bit of that about me as well, I will admit. Ah, it's fine. Okay, with that note, the cheap asses are going to actually have to say goodbye, and I do not have the copy in front of me, but I am going to try and remember what it says. Mm. You have been listening to the Game Life Balance Australia podcast, which is something something podcast about something... No, just kidding. (laughs) Which is a member of the Game Life Balance network, of which Cody is a part of, and you can check out his podcast at Game Life Balance dot us also it's gamelifebalanceus.com they both go to the same place oh. we're at gamelifebalanceaustralia.com 
You can follow myself at ProdTally on Twitter. Rob is at Reported. Our official Twitter is at GLB Australia. You can give us a review, write us a review. You can send us a paper aeroplane sailing towards my head and say, good job, buddy. And I would be happy with that review. I would tweet that on Twitter. So if you see me in the street, throw a piece of paper at me, I guess. Um... (laughs) Cody's Twitter is at producer Cody, and you know it's him because he is verified. And speaking of which, I really. <laughs> you were waiting for that, weren't you? Your <laughs> finger was hovering over that button. Maybe. I, I actually want to apply to be verified and just say, you know, well, Cody is verified and he's Game Life Balance US. I'm Game Life Balance Australia, and I. I'm totally we're totally connected and I just want to be verified and just say I got verified because of you Cody everyone just mention Cody and then get verified and see what that does for your reputation yeah see what that does for your reputation <laughs> good luck I don't know I don't think I'd ever become verified but it w- if I did it would it would solely solely be to piss someone off it would just be to make someone really angry that I of all people was verified and they weren't alright now I'm gonna pull some strings to see if I can get you verified <laughs> I have no strings oh, to pull right. but I'll try <laughs> you're a, you're like you're like social media guru that's what I've been telling people anyway eh, it's what I do for a living I don't know if I know anything about it I just do it <laughs> it's yeah, you do it for a living, but don't know anything about it. That, my friend, is the American way, from what I understand. Pretty much. Just be glad I don't have a gun. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> We're born with guns. Not with the right to vote, but with guns. It's uh... <laughs> That must be very painful for your mother. Yes. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for listening or watching this time around to Game Life Balance Australia. I am AC and I have been joined by Cody Goff and thank you very much for joining us. Toulou. Toodaloo, really? <laughs> Toodaloo? Am I, am I like some kind of middle-aged gardener or something? Yes.